This is Cam Slater, and you're listening to Dirty Politics. Hey, welcome back to Dirty Politics podcast with Simon Lusk and Cameron Slater. Tonight, we're going to talk about why self-funded ego parties fail and have a close look at Gareth Morgan, Colin Craig and Kim.com. Simon. Yeah, well, I mean, they've really proved that the Greens theory that money buys things in politics is quite wrong. Um, They have spent way more money than uh, the major parties and they have not managed to get into Parliament. Um, How how much has Gareth Morgan spent? He he just dropped 430,000 the other day. So it it appears to tally at 2.1 million. Um, Now, there may be some money that that party has spent that um, isn't declarable. So there may be some money outside of um, what he's declaring he spent for things like policy work before the party was founded. So it may be more than that, probably is more than that, because he spent about... um, I think six months talking about doing something before he actually formed the party. So any spending before he formed the party probably isn't counted. Okay, so Colin Craig, Simon, by all accounts, as best we can tell, we think he spent about $6 million on his march against smacking his failed Auckland mayoralty campaign, the failed 2011 election campaign, and the near miss of the 2014 election. Yeah, and and once again, it could be more. I, I think that um, you know the, the march against smacking certainly wasn't. There was nothing declarable there. There's no records, uh, and he is fully compliant with the law. It's not as if he had to declare anything. Um, the Auckland Merrill campaign, he did have to declare stuff, so that we do know. Um, and his expenditure in the 2011 and 2014 election, both um, are, are matters of public record. So he spent about six million at best coming third. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and when he came third, it was a pretty poor third. Uh, in the mayoral campaign, I I think he got what did he get about forty thousand votes? Is that, that yeah? Right? It sounds about right. Um, Banksy blames him for losing, but I keep pointing out to Banksy that even if you added Colin Craig's votes onto his, he still wouldn't have, have beat Len Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's, um, that's right. I think Len won that one fair and square. But um, Colin was, um, yeah, he, he really didn't do that well for the amount of money that he spent. Yeah. So another one of these cult cargo type parties was the one that Kim.com kicked off with the internet party. How much did they spend? Uh, I think Kim.com, it was 4.5 million in, in a single election cycle. So, you know, he's obviously spent more than, um, more than Gareth. Uh, and he got about half the votes Gareth got. So, you know, arguably Gareth was more efficient with his spending. Now we're focusing on these because it involves basically a party built around an ego. But if we're talking about money in politics, we also have to mention the ACT Party as well, don't we? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that that, that was a party that was founded um, with some very, very competent people in the early days. It's it's become substantially less competent probably over the, the even the last four terms. But at, at the same time, um, they have had a huge amount of money and they haven't really had much cut through. So the things that we're going to talk about now apply just as much to the ACT Party as they do to these three 
um, ego-driven parties, self-funded ego-driven parties. So I think for listeners should bear that in mind that when we're talking about about these self-funded ego parties, we, we are also adding in there the amount of money that's been poured into the project called the ACT Party. Yeah, although I think ACT did get some mileage probably for the the first nine years that it was in Parliament to, and seemed to be going somewhere. It, it just didn't after that. Well, I think that touches on our first point for these um, self-funded ego parties is uh, a lack of professionalism in those parties. ACT was very professional when they kicked off. They had uh, professional politicians and they had policy. But let's talk about Gareth, Gareth Morgan because he's the, late, the latest um, incidence of an ego-driven party. Uh, yeah. What evidence did you see of of his campaigning now and his professionalism? None. Um, and in fact, I went to a public meeting in, in Napier one evening specifically to ask him whether he was going to take an evidence-based approach to campaigning or just to policy. And he didn't have a bloody clue. He didn't know what the evidence was. He wasn't interested. I uh, had a conversation with one of his offsiders and I emailed him, never got back to me. Um, I just think that Gareth decided that he was going to run the campaign the way he wanted to, and he was too stupid to buy in some advice. And you know, if I had have been him, I would have got some probably a good American consultant out, um, and I would have got him to to be very very good at targeting a small number of people, um, and that would be the skill set that I'm looking for. I think there's some good New Zealanders around, but that would have been the the type of person that I think that Gareth needed was was someone that was really good at micro-targeting. Um, but Gareth didn't want to. He wanted to get, get up there and talk about all sorts of bullshit in the way that he wanted to, and it was really just a, a reflection of his ego. I, I just don't see that there was anyone competent at politics in that um, campaign at all. So we're talking about politics here, not policy, aren't we? Because because if I look at, at my observations of of the Gareth Morgan party, there was some semi-competent people. I mean, they had Jeff Simmons there from the Morgan Foundation, and they produce papers and do things like that. But again, it, it's almost like they, they have an outcome that they want to influence, and then they write papers that support that. And that seems to be a failure on, in the particularly in politics it's a failure, but it's a failure of modern science, particularly in the arts and those sorts of things, where they're doing all of these papers to produce an outcome. And, and that's what, what the top party looked like to me, that they had these ideas, they were Gareth's ideas, and then the evidence they presented to say that that works were Gareth's ideas and Gareth's um, thoughts on that from the Morgan Foundation. Yeah, you, you, you could well be right, but you know, it just showed a complete lack of professionalism. They didn't uh, work out that all the policy in the world doesn't matter. Policy doesn't really win elections. Um, good campaign mechanics does. And, you know, it wasn't exactly difficult. All he needed was about 125,000 votes. Um, but he just kept spouting on about all sorts of different bullshit. Well, that, that's actually true because no one voted for Labour Labour's policy platform. They voted for Jacinda. Yeah, yeah, and you know that's a very, very good lesson. You know that they, they essentially didn't change their policy platform; they changed their leader, and now they're in government. Um, makes makes it hard for someone like Grant Robertson, who's just obviously a boring bastard that no one really likes, to um, and and others in that that caucus, that you've got to have some 
likability before you can be elected. And of course, that likability will will obviously have plenty of podcasts to talk about that as people like Twyford and Hipkins and that just set about pissing people off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, you look at the professionalism that Gareth Morgan lacked. He was actually, a, you know, an outlier in terms of his actual level of professionalism, even though it wasn't high enough. Um, Colin Craig, he was just unbelievably ego-driven in his campaign. He just didn't have any serious campaign um, people behind him and he had to make it up as he went along. Not until after the 2011 loss because he did get in a press secretary, famously. Um, yeah, but, but press secretaries aren't campaign professionals. I mean, you know, you look at Phil Goff and, and his press secs, they kept bloody costing him um, points because they can only think at maximum 36 hours ahead. They don't have a strategy. They don't put together an infrastructure to win. No. Um, they just think you win on the 6 o'clock news, which is absolute bullshit. But but more to the point, though, in terms of Colin Craig, up, up until um, just uh, after the 2011 election, this was a guy who, by all accounts and evidence in court, had bad dandruff, ill-fitting suits, a weight problem, health issues, all of those sorts of things. He he did actually go and get someone to tidy up that, but it it, it didn't counter the complete um, cut and paste job that he did on policy and his uh, complete lack of understanding of the political process. No, no, no. And, and you know, he really did have to do it himself um, and he got the results he deserved. Mm. So that leaves us with Kim.com, Simon. What about his campaign and um, professionalism? Yeah, well, you know, at least Kim tried uh, to get some professionals and he just got the wrong ones. I mean, he got a pack of losers. If you if you had have wanted to assemble a group of people that have views that are the most far out of uh, sync with the New Zealand public and a propensity to lose, um, you would have started off by getting Martin Bradbury along. I mean, that guy is just useless at politics. He just doesn't win anything. And he developed their strategy, which of course was leaked to me by by a, a, someone inside Kim.com's camp. Yeah. yeah. And um, it was a single, well, basically two sheets of paper, and the second part of the piece of paper was what's in it for him, which was a laptop and a cell phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and instead of getting some sensible centrists and running a, a centrist campaign focusing around um, internet issues like the pirate parties and some of the other places in the world that have been successful, they went with a far-left loony policy and then they got the most radical MP and most difficult MP to deal with and did a JV with him and killed his career at the same time. <clears throat> Along the way, though, of course, they made the classic mistake of believing that they could motivate youth to vote. Yeah, and, you know, you're, you're just nuts if you think that. No one's ever been able to motivate the youth to vote. Um, and, I, you know, I don't have a lot of time for George W. Bush as a, a president, but, you know, he, he at um, Yale at the same time as Al Gore was getting much better grades than Gore, but he wasn't involved in politics and he was openly contemptuous of, of the people at Yale that were into politics because mm. he thought that, you know, when you're young, you're supposed to be drinking and trying to find someone to root and, you know, doing all that kind of stuff that you can't do when you're older. Well, there's been many, many people that have uh, fallen into that trap. Um, they've either stayed in that or they've gone on, but I think that's a, a problem. It might be even worth another podcast 
on the problems with uh, the two major parties and all of these people who've done politics since university and, and never left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which um, brings us to talking about professionals or lack of professionals. Yeah, and, you know, there are some really good political operators in New Zealand and, you know, we know them all and we, we like them a lot, even though quite often they're um, hard left or, you know, they but they're just good people to work with and they're professionals, so, you know, they, they're, they're competent. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I would always want to have John Pagani or Phil Quinn if I was running a, a left-wing um, party. Um, James Buse here from Len Brown's office was a genius. Mm. Um, our, our good mate Shane Depoe, is, as long as his PTSD doesn't hurt him too much, um, you want him on your side. I mean, that guy knows how to fight. Well, and um, he knows where bodies are buried too. Yeah, he's just a bloody genius. I mean, um, you know, I think that, that if there's any single person that has made a difference to this election, it was Shane Depoe. And no one will really know what he did, but you can take it from us. He, he was he was the one that really made stuff happen and, and was responsible largely for the um, the takeover of um, of Labour by Jacinda Ardern. Well, the other thing too is, is the... Those are all left-wing people that we know and like and work with and um, converse with and plot with and all of that. It seems to me the National Party and the ACT Party set about burning off their professionals. Yeah, and, you know, at the same time, it's it's hard to argue that Stephen Joyce needs much support. He is, you know, he, he managed to make a plonker like Bill English look good. Um, He's a genius of a campaigner. I don't know that there's anyone else around that could have done that. But, you know, the next level down, you, you don't see many good right-wing campaigners. Um, you know, Aaron Batnaga is an absolutely fantastic campaigner, but he's in venture capital now. Um, and the, par the party essentially drove him away, though. Yeah, and, you know, just, just a, a crazy thing to do because he is such a good strategist and such a, um, a well-read and evidence-based campaigner. But Stephen Joyce uh, rates Joe DeJoux, uses her to manage every single campaign, but looking at her, well, I can't say it's a winning record, um, but looking at her losing record, you've got to wonder why. Yeah, I think that, you know, enduring relationships count, but, you know, I certainly would never want Joe DeJoux near any campaign that I was running because um, I don't think she understands how to win, you know, the, the votes at mesh block level. You know, how do you get out there and knock on a door and... and and get someone to vote. I mean, I, I can't imagine that she would have been any good running against someone that's, you know, a, a, a genuinely hard-working, effective local MP like um, Stu Nash or um, Ruth Dyson on the left or, or Nick Smith, who, you know, Labour won Nelson in the party vote and Nick Smith still gave his opponent a good hiding and, you know, whatever Nick does... Um, in Parliament, he's always going to be a successful MP for Nelson, so no one can move him on. The, the, the impression that I get on National Party strategists is that they're a lot like the proverbial mediocre all-black halfback and first five combination that are made to look good because there's an awesome Ford pack that's going forward all the time. But as soon as that Ford pack runs into some heavy traffic, then the first five who can't catch a ball and the halfback that can't patch, pass one look apparent. Yeah. And and I think it you know when you actually run into uh, some some momentum that's against you for once, and we saw that with this election, 
uh, where National ran into the momentum of the Labour Party and they had nothing to counter it with and they didn't have the professionals that could counter it either. Yeah, I, I don't know that they necessarily fell that much in the polls. I think that Labour took the votes off the Greens and, um, and New Zealand first. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that you just look at the elections that Stephen Joyce ran, 2005, where he, he won the um, award for the best ad campaign. Um, 2008, 2011 mm. and 2014 were bloody good. Um, and then he took a guy that managed to get 20.93% in, in 2002. And, and, and only up. dropped two points. Yeah, you know, that, that, that's, you, you, you've got to think that he's pretty good. But, you know, they, they, they don't know how to win um, tight marginal seats. Well, the problem also was the strategy was to win with their existing partners. Yeah. Um, All yeah. of which, apart from ACT, are out of Parliament. Yeah, yeah. So the other thing, too, that I noticed is that they let Jacinda run without any pushback for weeks and weeks. Yep. And yep. I thought that was wrong. I thought that they should have got their opposition research out on her um, and got started running that. And it wasn't they didn't do anything. I was the one who ran the opposition research. I had the, the archived files of her comrade speeches and her socialist backgrounds and all of that. They didn't do a thing. They didn't lay a finger on her. And I thought that was wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, look, I, I don't doubt you're right. I think that National needed to take her a whole lot more serious. Mm. Yeah. So in the professionals' state, stakes, there's a lot of offshore people. National in the past, I'm, I'm not sure that they used them this um, past election, but Crosby Texter has had a close association with National. Um, I read in, in Fairfax the other day on the Stuff website that this crowd of lobbyists um, from Australia are setting up shop again here in New Zealand because the Labour Party's there. There are a lot of these foreign operators out there with all that money sloshing around. It beggars belief that these these guys didn't hire some of them. Yeah, but, you know, they they, they really had to do it themselves. They, they didn't think that, you know, that the, they were fallible and they've proven um, repeatedly that they're fallible. It, this happens a lot to people who have been successful in one particular area or in business. Um, Dick Hubbard springs to mind as another one who funded his own thing. Um, he got there to be the mayor but ultimately failed because council and politics doesn't work like a business. Is, do you think that's one of their major failings? Yeah, it is. And, and you know, just because you've been successful in business, it doesn't mean that you're going to be successful in politics. They're two completely different skill sets. And from a campaign manager's perspective, the people that are the most difficult to deal with in a campaign are the successful older businessmen because they've had a many years of everyone just doing what they, they tell them to do and they often have the wrong ideas and they just expect everyone to listen to them and, and they're a nightmare in a bloody campaign. You want to get rid of them as quickly as possible. Um, Unless they're they, exceptional like John Key or Stephen Joyce. Uh, yeah, but I think that they're actually politicians, not just businessmen. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of older guys that are probably over 55 who are are comfortably off. They've got a whole lot of people that keep saying yes, sir, to them when they they go into their business, um, and they 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 think they know politics, but you know they don't. Hmm. Yeah, Scott Simpson had run rings around them. Um, you know, he's a good <laughs> political operator, and and 
you know, and he would just make them look like idiots. I um, never want to get into a knife fight with Scott. Jesus, no, 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 you just don't. You'd be diced. Yep, yep. So is it possible that a new party can get in? Yeah, but they've got to stop making the stupid mistakes that Colin, Gareth and Kim made. Um, You know, they're just thick. Um, You've got to get proper uh, campaigners in and, you know, you may choose to get some from offshore and I think that's probably the right move. Um, Then you've got to be realistic. You know, to get into Parliament, you've got to get 5% of the vote, 125 to 130,000 votes. It's a pretty easy number to understand and yet these guys don't seem to have a path to that 130,000 votes. Just to interrupt you there, the ACT Party is a classic. I was discussing this today with somebody. I said, are there 125,000 people out there who are rich pricks, who like strong law and order, minimal government and low taxes? Well, there has to be. The answer is yes, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, why don't they vote for ACT? Yeah, well, you know, they ACT have got the wrong people and they make the wrong decisions. Exactly. So yeah. you've got to, that's the important thing, which leads on to, to the next point, is you've got to know your own voters and you've got to keep talking to those voters about the things that they're interested in and forget everything else. It's all a sideshow. Yeah, yeah, and you, you, you're not going to win votes if you're at talking about poor or talking to poor people, so you might as well not bother. Well, well, David Seymour did worse than that. He spent the entire campaign attacking Winston Peters. Now, mm. grumpy old pensioners are not the target market for ACT. No, no. No, and, you know, Winston just lapped it up and he's there and David Seymour isn't. And, of course, to get 125,000 votes, you need people to do what? No, they've actually got to vote and you've got to get them out to vote. And it doesn't seem that any of these parties actually have proper get-out-the-vote campaigns. Yeah, no, they don't. And, and you know, they're just deluded if they think that it's going to... Um, to work just trying to rely on on um, mass media to target vote or you know 125,000 votes you know it it works for Winston some of the time uh, it works for the greens but they are in much better contact with their voters and they keep reinforcing their messages well the greens um, the greens focus entirely on the feel good factor of the environment um, their loony social policies never get mentioned. It's always nice pictures of, of of clean rivers and all of that. You know, I'm all, almost tempted just on the basis of the publicity to vote for the Greens because they they espouse some of the things that you and I as hunters and fishermen believe in. The trouble is, is they're just crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But but well, they hoodwink all of those all of those yeah. nice ladies in the leafy suburbs of Auckland, and that's how they get their vote. Well, that's probably a topic for another podcast because the um, the green activist base is, is uh, quite loony and um, some of their MPs are, but they've actually got some quite sensible people in Parliament now. Well, that remains to be seen. Yeah, well, at least they're environmentalists, not fucking social justice warriors. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it looks like Gareth... In tipping in another four hundred and thirty thousand, looks like he wants to go again. What do you think on that? Well, it'll depend on whether he can get over his ego, and you know, and and stop just using the 
flunkies around him and realised that media people aren't uh, political strategists, he would be well advised to find a good Australian or a good American strategist, get him in, give him the advice, and then concentrate heavily on the data end of the uh, political party and the targeting of voters. And, you know, Jesus, his son's a genius at that kind of stuff. It should be easy for Gareth to bring in some professionals and set up something that allows him to target, say, 300 or 350,000 people to get him to 130 on Election Day 2020. Yeah, he made the mistake of thinking Facebook likes and retweets were, were actually votes. No, no. And, you know, if, if, if he's really smart, he'd go and get Phil Quinn. Um, and Phil Quinn is probably the best around. I mean, we know he's awesome in a knife fight. I'd pay good money to watch him go up against Scott Simpson, but I'd be backing Phil. Um, and, you know, we, we know that he's around and we know he's available. He'd be able to straighten out um, Gareth's party in no time. Now, just want to touch before we, we finish up this podcast on these professionals from offshore. My own personal view on that is that they need to be attuned to um, the environment that, that they're working in. Like, uh, I, brash American, in-your-face type campaigns, um, although you and I would love to see those operate in New Zealand with the brutality that comes with it, um, most Kiwis get turned off by that sort of stuff. Same with some of the more brutal aspects of the Australian-type uh, campaigning. Um, do you think it, that you need to have that that alignment, I guess, of of how the market is, the, the voting public take these things if you're going to select these professionals? Yeah, but, but a good campaign professional is going to spend heavily on research before making any um, decisions about anything. And a good professional won't really be known. I mean, I would think most New Zealanders don't have any idea who um, guys like Phil Quinn or Shane DePoe are, and yet, you know, they, they're absolute bloody geniuses. Now, the one thing that everybody needs if they're going to have a, uh, a successful party would be polling as a yeah. key component. Now, our, our good mate David Farrer at Courier, who provide us with our own polling for insight, um, he's not available. But if I was going to be running a party, I'd be trying to find a way to buy him off the net. Yeah, and or, or just buy some of his knowledge, work out what actually is important for the, the polling. Maybe go and do a deal with National to allow them to get Farrah doing some, some consulting on polling design rather than the actual polling. But you've got to have a decent poller and you've got to have someone that's good at focus groups. Um, and, you you know, you, you start your campaigns based on that. Well, I mean, that's, again, another topic for a podcast is what is the National Party going to do for, for partners because they still seem to be having a, a policy of attacking Winston. Um, and to my mind, it seems he's their only possible partner at this point in time. Um, but, again, that's another topic for another podcast because I can see huge flaws in National's approach right now. Yeah, just yeah, but um, I don't think they necessarily think, thought that through. And from what I can gather, um, that caucus, when people raise it, no one's willing to talk about it at the senior levels. Well, I'm sure that um, that they'll be talking about it uh, in due course um, as events unfold this week. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thanks yep. for coming on, Simon. If no worries. Uh, we've uh, covered off uh, why these dickhead um, self-funded ego parties fail. And um, people can subscribe to the podcast and uh, we'll we'll be back on board doing a few more of these. We've both been a bit busy, but um, it's been a pleasure to do another one. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next one too.